This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Money Pit is presented by Lumber Liquidators, Quickcrete, Isonine, Home Advisor, and Speed Queen. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What are you working on on this beautiful, almost fall weekend? If it's your house, you are in exactly the right place because we are here to help you with those do-it-yourself projects or the projects that you want to hire out and have a pro help you with, whether it's home improvement or decor. Give us a call right now and let's talk. 888-666-3974 or post your question online at moneypit.com. Dot com. Coming up on today's show, an attic is one of the great untapped bonus spaces in any home, which is why finishing it is a project that can deliver real value. But when you're taking on this job, what do you do with the piles of insulation that's there now? We're going to have a tip on how to insulate that space using a product that takes a lot less space and does a much better job of making you comfortable. Plus, now that fall is almost here, it's a great time to really take a look at your steps and sidewalks. We're going to have tips to help repair those that are cracked or broken. Really, you do want to take care of this before winter sets in. And it used to be that unless hardwood was installed when a home was built, it was darn near impossible to add it after the fact. But today, pre-finished hardwood floors have made that a very doable project that offers real value to a home. So we're going to have the how-to on that project in just a bit. Plus, we've also got a great reason for you to call us or write in with your question. We're giving away a $50 Amazon gift card courtesy of Speed Queen Washers and Dryers. Going out to one listener drawn at random from those who have posted a question to us anytime this week to moneypit.com. The number again is 888-MONEYPIT. So give us a call or post your question. We are here to help. John in Illinois, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? My house was built in uh, 1957 and the architect uh, design, designed it with uh, concealed gutters. And originally the gutters were made of galvanized and they were covered with neoprene. And that lasted for many, many years, but now I've had some leaks. And uh, uh, I've had a proposal to put on a project called Gaco Roof, G-A-C-O Roof, and to paint that on there. It's not, it's a kind of a Looks like rubbery stuff, but it's actually silicone. So uh, do you know anything about that product, and you think that would work? Yeah, I mean, it's basically a flexible silicone roof coating system. It's been around for a long time. Now, when you have that built-in gutter, there's usually you know two ways to deal with that. I actually had built-in gutters on uh, my old house. 
And in our case, we decided that we would abandon those built-in gutters by basically roofing over them. You have to add another piece of plywood basically to extend the sheathing. So you take the pitch of the roof, you add an additional plywood piece that that covers that old built-in gutter, and then you just use a traditional seamless gutter on the outside. So you can basically abandon those gutters. Or if you want to keep them, yeah, you've got to reline them. So what are your options for reline them? Well, you can reline them with a rubber roofing material. Or if they're structurally sound, because this Geico material has got to have something to stick to or to be applied to, you could consider using this roof coating system. I would just be careful um, that the gutters are are structurally sound because I wouldn't want holes to form in the silicone coating once it dries because maybe there's a hole in the bottom of, of, of the structure. I'm very familiar with this as a roof coating for low slope roofs in particular. Um, I've not seen it used to line gutters, but I don't have any reason to believe that it, that it won't work. If the roofing company is very well established, if they've had experience with the product and if they're going to stand behind their work and guarantee it, I think I might be willing to give it a shot because I know the product will work well uh, in other roofing applications. Okay. Thank you very much. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Carolyn, Texas is on the line with a crack in the ceiling. Tell us about it. Where do you see it? I have a crack in the ceiling, a hairline crack, but you can see it, and it's right in front of the front door. Okay. I want to fix it because we hope to put this property up for sale next year. And I don't want to fix it, and it keeps opening up, and I have to keep fixing it. Well, that's because, first of all, that's a space that's going to have a lot of expansion and contraction. And secondly, you can't just patch that because you're not really fixing the crack. You're just covering it up, and it's going to continue to open and close. So what you have to do is you have to sand it. Then you have to apply a perforated tape to that, the, the drywall tape. It's about two inches wide, and it's it's tacky. So you put that across the crack, and then you put about three coats of spackle over that. And that kind of reinforces the crack and sort of brings that board both sides into one solid piece so that it's not going to move when it opens and closes. So do it in that order. Sand it first so it's nice and clean and dry. Put the tape on it and then three coats of spackle, and then you're going to have to prime it and paint it again. But that's the way to fix it once and not have to worry about it uh, occurring over and over again. Tell me the name of the paint, uh, the uh, tape Well, it's, it's perforated. It looks like netting. But you'll find it in a home center or a hardware store, uh, sold with the spackle and the other wall repair tools. You'll recognize it's usually yellow. And just put that over it and then put the spackle on top of it. But be sure and sand it first. You got it. Well, thank you so much. I hope for the best. All right. Well, I think you're well on your way to a crack-free ceiling. <laughs> thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now you can call in your home repair, your home improvement question, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right here at 888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. You know, my mom always told me, if you're cold, wear a hat. But if it's cold in your house, you'd better put that hat on it with more insulation in your attic. We're going to have tips on the best way to do just that after this. You live in a Money Pit. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Priceline. 
The Money Pit is presented by Pavestone. Building a fire pit, patio, planter, walkway, or even a grill surround is quick and easy with Rumblestone from Pavestone. Look for Rumblestone at the Home Depot and visit pavestone.com for project ideas and how-to instructions. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. The number here is 888-MONEY-PIT, presented by Home Advisor. You'll get instantly matched with top-rated pros for any home project and book appointments online for free. And if you call us at 888-MONEY-PIT, we've got a great reason for you to do just that. We're giving away a $50 Amazon gift card sponsored by Speed Queen. You know, they make washers and dryers that are built to last 25 years. They have the industry's best warranty. There's over 100 years of commercial reliability, and they're available at 2,800 dealers nationwide. Their website is speedqueen.com. We appreciate Speed Queen hooked us up with some Amazon gift cards to give away. Hey, you could even use them to pick up some laundry detergent for your machines. The number again is 888-MONEY-PIT. Give us a call right now. One listener is going to win that $50 card. Cheryl's on the line with the decking question. How can I help you today? I'm wanting to have a deck built at the back of my home and I have a concrete pad uh, outside the door. And um, when I Ask someone to come and look at it and give me an estimate about a deck. Uh, they were wanting to put the supports right on this concrete pad that's back here, but it's all broken up and all uneven from a large, very large maple tree that I have in the back. And the roots are, they're gnarly and they're, a lot of them are near the surface. And so I was wondering if it would even be, you even recommend that I even think of having a deck built back there with the tree roots in the situation I have. So first of all, this is a patio, so it's a thin concrete slab and be four or five inches thick. Is that what you're telling me you have? Right. Okay. So right. that is not an appropriate foundation for a deck. And so anyone suggesting that it is would scare me because in your part of the country... You need to have the footings for that deck be below the frost line. So that means that those footings have to be about three feet in the ground. And then on top of those footings, you can build the deck. Otherwise, the deck's going to ride up and down as the land freezes in the wintertime. So what I would do is I would break up that patio and take it out of there. If it's already you know half broken up, I mean, with a jackhammer, you'd probably get that thing out of there in an hour or two. It actually will come out a lot faster than what you would imagine. Uh, in terms of the tree roots... Yeah, if you can get some of that out of there, it's probably not a bad idea. But clearly what you have to concentrate on is however you're going to support this deck. If it's pretty much a grade-level deck, you know, you have to kind of put that beam in flush with the rest of the floor structure. If it's going to be up a little bit, then you would basically put the beam underneath uh, the floor joist and support it on however many columns it takes to make it compliant with building code. But to do it right, it's got to be on a foundation. So don't just slap a deck structure over that patio. It's just not going to be uh, built correctly. And I, and I doubt it would pass building code. And it would also um, could devalue your house in the event you tried to sell it in the future. Okay. Well, um, the contractor that I had out here, um, he was leery of, you know, he didn't want to disturb the tree roots too much for fear of killing this gigantic tree. And and that was his... Well, it wasn't a solution because the roots are going to be there with or without the patio. It's not a solution. And he's not going to disturb the tree roots that much. Yes, it'll be hard to dig those holes. Um, and you may have to chop through some of them, but I don't think just digging, um, you know, three or four holes for a footing is going to be enough to kill a tree. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad that I uh, gave you a call then. Thank you so much. All right, Cheryl. Well, good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
Well, one of the greatest untapped spaces in any home is the attic. If you think about it, it's basically like having an extra floor in your house. And that's really why the attic is such a good place to renovate into a finished space. But given that in your attic, you've got roof rafters and maybe some plumbing and wiring and lots and lots of insulation in the way, it's a space that can be difficult to work in. Now, that's especially true when it comes to your insulation. For unfinished attics, a lot of people just add extra layers of bad insulation to improve the home's energy efficiency. But that insulation is so thick that you really can't put a floor on top of it. So the next obvious thing is to add insulation to your roof rafters and then finish the underside. But the problem there is really twofold. First of all, most rafters are only about six to eight inches deep, so that's really not a lot of room for the proper amount of insulation. And secondly, you need to have at least two inches between the top of the insulation and the bottom of the roof sheathing for ventilation, further cutting back the amount of insulation that you can actually get into that space. Yeah, it's a really tough space to work in, and that's why the best solution is to probably go with spray foam insulation. Now, I did this on my old home. It was built in 1886. And I chose Isonine Spray Foam. Now, this is a product that delivers a lot of benefits over fiberglass. First, it does a much better job of insulating, especially in those tight spaces. And it can also seal out drafts. And that's something that fiberglass can't do. The Isonine Spray Foam Insulation is really an effective one-step insulation product because it insulates, it seals, and it reduces drafts. And that actually can account for as much as 40% of your energy use. So if you use Isonine, you could be saving as much as 40% on your monthly heating and cooling bills. Plus, they've got a new product out, Leslie, that's ultra-low VOC, which I love. It means you can reoccupy the home in just two hours after it's installed. I mean, that really is amazing. You know, Isonine is truly the evolution of insulation. You can visit Isonine.com to find out where your nearest licensed Isonine spray foam insulator contractor is, and that's spelled I-C-Y-N-E-N-E.com, or you can give them a call at 800-758-7325. That's 800-758-7325. You are listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at MoneyPit.com. Leslie, who's next? Lee in Maryland's on the line with a concrete question. What can we do for you today? House was built 30 years ago, and I've been told by several contractors that my slab is 16 by 18 that I'm going to pour. I've been told by several contractors that I should put rebar into the house and connect it to the house, and then I've been told by other contractors that I should just put expansion joints in, and I don't know what to do. Okay, so um, this slab is for the garage? No, it's off the side of my deck. Oh, okay, so a patio. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it'll be right up against the house, though. Okay. Yeah, I mean, listen, putting the rebar in and tying into the house is a good, solid way to do that, but if you prep the soil right underneath it, I, I, I tend to think you probably don't have to do that. Most people, where they go wrong is they don't prep the slab, they don't prep the soil. They don't prep the base. And if that soil is uh, compressible, if it's topsoil, if it's mulch, if it's not flattened out and really tamped down mechanically, I mean with a machine tamper, then you're going to have all kinds of movement in that slab. And that's where you get in trouble. So if it's just a matter of uh, being concerned about it dropping, you know, I guess with all the work you're doing, it wouldn't hurt to run the rebar into the house. You'd have to drill holes, set it inside the block wall, and then run the rebar into uh, the slab itself. But you want to make sure that slab is properly reinforced. If it's 16 by 8, um, you know, you're probably going to want to put a, a seam in it to give it some room to move without cracking. 
But um, I think it's not terribly necessary, but I don't think you can go wrong by doing it. But again, the most important thing is to tamp that base under where you're going to pour the slab really, really well, because invariably that's what causes the problems with slabs. And make sure you have a good pitch away from the house so that you don't trap any water against the house. You don't force water to run back into the house, uh, even when it settles, okay? Okay. It had a base of concrete backwash tamped down really good, and it was starting to set up pretty good. But I was going to bring in some more 57 limestone and then pack it down. You think that would be ample or a good choice of rock to use? Yeah, I would go through the trouble of renting a mechanical tamper and using a, ta- a mechanical tamper. Because I tell you what, when you put that base in and you tamp it mechanically, it, be- it itself becomes hard as concrete. Okay. Thanks, Lee. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Betty in Nebraska is on the line with a mold question. What can we do for you today? Uh, I am having a problem with some mold in the basement that is on cement block walls. And I've heard you mention on your show the product Spray and Forget It. Um, I've seen this product in a hardware store back here in a spray bottle, and it's for exterior use. And I am wondering if I should be looking for something for interior and where I could buy this. So you're talking about what you think is mold on a cement block in a basement space. Now, the chances of that being mold are a little bit on the slim to none side because mold doesn't really grow on the concrete. It needs an organic matter. So more likely, it's something called efflorescence, which is like a mineral salt deposit from when the blocks get wet and then they sort of, you know, the water dissipates off of it and it leaves sort of like a white, hazyish ring. Is that what you're seeing? No, this is black, black little spots. Dot. Yeah, it would be very unusual for that to be mold because, as Leslie said, blocks are not organic, and you can have a moisture that gets into that block wall and then evaporates and leaves the salts behind. The salts could be white or gray or black, but I'm telling you, it's very unlikely that it's mold. If it's on concrete, if it's on masonry, it's it's likely not mold because there's nothing there for it to grow on. Now, if you talk, and we'd be the first to tell you if it was. <clears throat> I just think, and what you're describing is probably not mold. I would invite you to take a picture of that and post it to our Facebook page at facebook.com/slash/the-money-pit. We would be happy to take a look at it and uh, give you a better idea what we think it is. But it's probably not. Now, you mentioned spray and forget. That's a great product for getting rid of mold and mildew and algae uh, that forms on the outside of your house. It's not an interior product. Um, but in, in so, in, but in the case of the basement that you describe, I don't think you need it. Now, if you if you want to deal with the moisture issue, uh, there's a great story on MoneyPit.com about how to stop a basement uh, or a crawl space from leaking, and it has to do with grading and drainage. It's not hard to do, um, but it will stop that moisture from coming through. Mm-hmm. Now, we have had some water come into the basement, and we have had um, the trenching or whatever you call that around, you know, to uh, ah, remove the yeah. water. And so, I don't know, I guess that's why I was thinking when the blocks were wet, you know, just so far up. That even further confirms my opinion that it's not mold. If you've got a moisture problem, here's what you have to do. First of all, you have to address the gutter system at the at the outside of the roof edge. It has to be clean, free-flowing, and the downspouts, most importantly, have to be discharging at least six feet from the foundation. If they're not, that water's going to go right back along the wall and show up in the basement. Then secondly, the soil around the house has to slope away from the wall. It can't just be flat. It can't pitch in. It can't have a lot of mulch or grass or even stone. It's got to have a core slope away from the wall. We'd like to drop about six inches over four feet. You get those two areas of drainage under control, I think a couple of things are happen will happen. First of all, the basement will stop leaking, and secondly, these spots that you're show- that you see showing up will stop forming. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, but we have a high water table. Does your basement leak after a heavy rain? Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Okay, it's not your water table. All right. My, my biggest problem with this solution is people don't believe me. It is not a water table. Water tables move seasonally. They move slowly. If your basement is leaking after a heavy rain or a snow belt, it is caused by your drainage conditions at the, at the foundation perimeter. It's easy to fix, Betty. Trust me, I've been doing this for 20 years. I have fixed thousands of wet basements this way. Go to moneypit.com. Read the article on the homepage about how to fix a wet basement. And read the comments below. You'll hear a lot of people that uh, speak to this issue and couldn't believe it was easy to do as it turned out. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You know, fall is a great time to fix up your cracked steps and sidewalks before the winter weather sets in. We're going to have tips to help you do just that after this. 888 Money Pit. The Money Fit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Find top-rated home pros you can trust. And if you're a service pro looking to grow your business and connect with project-ready homeowners, check out HomeAdvisor.com. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Post your question to the Money Pit's community page at moneypit.com. We'd love to give you a hand or call us at 888-MONEY-PIT, which is presented by HomeAdvisor. They make it fast and easy to find top-rated home pros you can trust for any home project. And if you're a service pro looking to grow your business and connect with project-ready homeowners, check out homeadvisor.com. Lance in Ohio is on the line with a plumbing question. What's going on at your money pit? Uh, I have a uh, problem with a cast iron uh, pipe. Uh, it comes out of my commode uh, and it goes down into the basement. There's a clean out at the floor. But uh, on the straight piece of uh, cast iron on one side, there's a leak. And it looks like mud. or I don't think it's human waste because there's no smell to it. But it comes out of one side and drips, uh, just kind of runs down. And on the other side, about maybe six inches lower, is another uh, bulge of uh, sediment or whatever going down the other side. Now, it's a slow leak. It's uh, nothing on the floor uh, as of yet. But I can see streaks where it's, uh, you know, it's been maybe a month or so, and I've been watching it. And uh, I just want to know what to do. So Lance, this particular leak, you say you've been watching it, so you're sure that what you're seeing wasn't there before, because sometimes those joints um, leak oil, because there's a material that's like an oakum that's used to pack those joints, and sometimes it leaks oil, and it leaves a stain which looks like a leak, but you're sure that it wasn't there before, and actually it is dripping now? No, I uh, uh, house was built in 1962. I've lived in it 13 years, and it's not at a joint. It's in the straight part. Um, there's lead joints, uh, and this is uh, maybe six, eight inches below a joint. Okay. And it's in a straight piece of uh, cast iron. It's cast iron is maybe six foot, uh, six foot long. Yeah, I mean the cast iron itself wouldn't be leaking. It must be the joint. So the water must be coming back out of the joint. No, nothing above the joint. I mean, it's right there. The it's just coming out of the sides. That's all. I mean, I guess it's possible a crack could develop in the cast iron. A very small crack that's hard to see. Um, but that would be very, very unusual. So I think at this at this point, 
um, you're going to have to have a plumber look at this because it's kind of beyond what you can do to repair it. If the joint itself is leaking, you mentioned it was sort of below the joint. If the joint itself is leaking, that may have to be repacked. If you look very carefully at that pipe, and I would do this with a good strong light, you may have to run like a work light over there and find that there's a crack in it. Again, it would be very unusual. Um, but if you did see it, then I guess that could explain it. Uh, typically, when those pipes leak, there's also a bit of a backup that causes this because they're not really designed to work under any kind of uh, pressure or reverse flow. So the other possibility is if there is any kind of backup, even a temporary one where it backs up and then it drains out, that could also lead to the link as well. But in any case, I think this is not a DIY job. We'd love to tell you that it is, Lance, uh, but it's not. So uh, get a plumber, okay? Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, you know, it used to be that working with concrete for small projects like sending a fence post was a big hassle because you had to buy all the raw materials and mix them up. You're probably using tools like your garden wheelbarrow, which you don't normally mix concrete in, and, and a garden hoe, and, and then you have to clean them off before that concrete becomes permanently etched to the tools. It's, it's kind of a messy project. Well, QuickCrete has made that a lot easier with their fast-setting concrete in the red bag. It's a special blend of fast-setting cements, sand, and gravel, and it's designed to set in about 20 to 40 minutes. Yeah, you can use it for setting a fence post or a mailbox or making deck footings or even for pouring a slab. And for those posts, you don't even have to pre-mix it. I like this feature. You can just pour the dry mix into the hole, add water, and the post is going to be solid in about 20 minutes. Piece of cake. Well, QuickRead is available at home improvement retailers nationwide. And right now, there's a bonus bag available that has 20% more of the fast-setting cement. Look for it in the red bag or learn more at QuickCrete.com. Charlotte and George is on the line with an electrical question. How can we help you today? I do have a breaker box in my house. The house is built in the late 50s. Two switches in one room do not work, and the kitchen sometimes trips a breaker. Do you think it's possible? I don't want to do the rewire the whole house. I just want to pull the wiring through the wall, and I don't want to re take off any of the sheetrock. Well, generally, if there's switches and outlets that are not working, it's not the wiring itself in as much as it could be the switch or the outlets, or uh, it could be a problem where it's actually connected to the switches or the outlets. And it's obviously impossible for us to diagnose this for you. In answer to your general question, typically you do not have to remove drywall, except in rare circumstances, electricians can almost always find a way to run wire through a wall and they have uh, tools that are specially designed to do that. They're like long fiberglass rods that the wire kind of uh, gets tied onto the end of, and they can use that to kind of snake it through the walls and pull it up where it needs to go. But I think the bigger question for you is why is this happening? And is it dangerous? Because if you've got things that are not working, um, you know, we want to make sure that didn't happen because something shorted out, which uh, could lead uh, to a fire. So I would not advise you to do this yourself, Charlotte. I would advise you to get a professional to help you with it uh, because I'm concerned that you need to get to the bottom of what caused the defect, whether it's just broken switches. It would be unusual for all of these things to break at the same time. I have seen an occasional switch go bad, but almost never an outlet go bad. So if you've got two switches and an outlet not working and you check the breakers and the fuses, I think it's time to call a pro. Charlotte, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Just ahead, adding pre-finished hardwood floors is a very doable project that offers real value to a home. We're going to have the how-to in just a bit. The Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Find top-rated home pros you can trust. And if you're a service pro looking to grow your business and connect with project-ready homeowners, check out HomeAdvisor.com. HomeAdvisor.com. 
Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Today's Money Pit is presented by Isonine Spray Foam Insulation, an effective one-step insulation product that insulates, air seals, and reduces drafts that can save as much as 40% on your heating and cooling bills. Learn more about Isonine Spray Foam Insulation today by visiting Isonine.com. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Call in your question now at 888-MONEY-PIT, presented by Home Advisor. They make it fast and easy to find top-rated home pros you can trust for any home project. And for local pros who want to grow their business, HomeAdvisor is the easy way to get connected with project-ready homeowners. Hey, we've also got a great reason for you to call us or write in with your question. Thanks to our friends at Speed Queen, we've got up for grabs this hour a $50 Amazon gift card sponsored by Speed Queen. Speed Queen washers and dryers are built to last 25 years. I mean... That's a lot of laundry. Imagine how much laundry you're doing over that period of time. They really come with the industry's best warranty as well. And they've got over 100 years of commercial reliability. You can check them out at over 2,800 dealers nationwide or online right now at speedqueen.com. Going out to one listener, drawn at random, make that you. The number again is one eight 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 money pit Well, it used to be that unless hardwood was installed when a house was built, it was darn near impossible to add it after the fact. But today, we've got the availability of durable, pre-finished hardwood floors, and that's made this project very doable and something that really can give value to a home. And that's why you almost always see real estate agents calling out the hardwood floor in their listings and advertisements, because people want to live in homes with hardwood floors. I mean, they really are beautiful and really make the space a neutral sort of palette for decorating, so you can go anywhere from there. I feel like you sometimes get pigeonholed with carpeting. You know, the beauty of selecting a solid hardwood floor is that as trends change, you can have that floor sanded and refinished either to that latest trend or to a traditional color that's timeless. In fact, because you can sand and refinish it so many times, hardwood is really one of the longest lasting floors. Plus, a solid hardwood flooring won't trap dust and dirt like carpeting does. So it's really better for anybody who suffers from allergies and the wood floors are going to last a lot longer than carpet. Now, when it comes to installation, the solid hardwood flooring may be installed either on or above grade level, but they're not recommended for below-grade spaces like basements. Now, for those areas, there's a special type of hardwood called engineered hardwood, and it's basically made to stand up to moisture levels that are common in those underground areas. And finally, you want to keep in mind that solid hardwood does need to fully acclimate prior to installation. So that means if you're going to put it in your house, you want to get it a few days before the installation, kind of let it sit there and acclimate to the room, and then you'll be good to go. And that's today's flooring tip presented by Lumber Liquidators. Choose from more than 140 top quality pre-finished three-quarter inch solid hardwood floors, including Bellawood pre-finished hardwood, backed by a transferable 100-year warranty. Plus, get expert flooring help at every local store. For locations, call 1-800-HARDWOOD or visit LumberLiquidators.com. Lumber Liquidators, hardwood floors for less. 
Abraham in New Jersey is on the line looking to vent an attic. What's going on there? Okay, I basically have a regular home. It's a colonial. And the attic is a rough attic with spray foam insulation. There's zero ventilation in the attic. And the second floor has central air. So I would like to know two questions. Would I be saving on air conditioning if I would vent the attic? There's no ceiling fan. Nothing if I would put in either an attic fan or a window exhaust fan. And also, currently the attic has an entrance door, a heavy door leading to the attic. Would it save me the air conditioning to leave that entrance door open, thereby allowing the hot air to enter the attic and leave with an exhaust fan? Or is that something I should not be doing? So, Abraham, that's a great question. And if you told me that your attic was was, uh, insulated with fiberglass insulation, as most are typically... We would talk about what kind of ventilation you'll need. But you said your attic was insulated with spray foam. So is the spray foam up on the underside of the roof rafters as well as across the floor? Describe it to me. Not on the floor. The floor just has regular boards between the second floor and the attic. But there's all all the walls and the you know, and the roof all have spray foam. So what you have, Abraham, and in it's actually the same kind of um, insulation setup that I have. It's called a conditioned attic. In other words, the attic itself uh, is conditioned and it does not need ventilation. So, no, you do not need to vent that. It's actually pretty efficient right the way it is. Now, you mentioned that there was a door uh, between those two spaces. If that door uh, tends to get a little warm or the wall or the ceiling tends to get a little warm, you could add some additional insulation there. Uh, in my case, I actually had an older house, so my um, attic uh, floor slash second floor ceiling um, already had fiberglass in it. We left that there, but then we spray foamed the underside of the roof rafters and uh, and the gable walls. And it's amazing. When we go up in our attic, it's practically the same temperature as the rest of the house. It's just done so well. So you do not need to ventilate an attic that was uh, sprayed with foam because it's not the type of attic that needs to be vented. Yeah, because when I go up to my attic, it is extremely hot. I don't. I never measure with a thermometer how much warmer it is. So that's why I was wondering if that's going to warm up the second floor, requiring me more air conditioning for the second floor. So I was thinking of ventilating the attic. Cool off the attic. I think that if it was done right, you don't need to vent it. Um, how long ago was the spray foam done, and, and and who did it? It was done locally, and it was within the past within the past year. The new home. Oh, really? Oh, it's brand new within the past year. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they put enough insulation in there because the insulation should be keeping that heat on the outside, and the and the air conditioning or the the internal sort of ambient temperature of the house should be keeping it pretty comfortable on the inside. Um, I, I wonder if you have enough insulation there. And um, I have a suggestion for you that you speak with another spray foam manufacturer, spray foam uh, contractor, aside from the one that did it, and kind of have an opinion as to whether or not there's enough insulation there for your part of the, of the country. I think that will actually uh, make a lot of sense. Okay, thank you so much. Hope that helps you out. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Hey, are you ready to put that grill away for the season? Hold on. There are three things that you need to do first to make sure it's ready the next time you'd like to fire it up. We're going to share those tips coming up. You live in a body pit. Body pit. 
The Money Pit is presented by ADT, the security leader for over 140 years. Trust ADT to protect your home, family, and all you care about. At ADT, we know your security is only as strong as the people who are backing you up. For 24-7 monitoring and peace of mind, visit ADT.com. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. We're here to help you with your home improvement project, your decor dilemmas, but help yourself first. Call us at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, presented by Home Advisor, where you can find out what it costs to do your home project before you hire a pro, and then instantly book one of Home Advisor's background checked pros for free. But if you're in need of a question answered right now, go ahead and post your question at moneypit.com, just like Adrian did, who writes, We wanted to step up the curb appeal of our home and installed a new fiberglass front. It looks great, but we realized it's warped because we hadn't sealed it. Is this common, and is it too late to seal it? If not, is there anything else I can do to keep it from warping more? I guess they're talking about a front door. Yeah, and you know what? The thing is that fiberglass doors really can't warp because they're fiberglass, so you don't really get much movement in it. I suspect that the frame has moved for whatever reason. Either the house has settled or the frame has moved. And frankly, the easiest way to fix this, unless it's a you know a, a simple, maybe minor adjustment, is to to separate the frame from the wall and kind of rehang that part of it. Now, the way I do this is I pull off the trim from the inside and the outside, and I'll take a reciprocating saw and basically cut through the nails. So now that the whole jam can move. And then I'll sort of get it exactly where I want it, re-shim it up, and then almost one nail at a, at a time, I'll tack that frame back into place and get it nice and level. You know, doors are tricky. They, they seem like they should be easy to hang. They're not. But they can move in actually six different directions. You know, they can, they can, they can twist. They can um, go out of parallel, and there's just a lot of movement to that door. So when I hang these doors, what I'll do is, is literally drive one or two nails, check the fit, drive one or two, check the fit. Just keep checking the fit over and over and over again. It takes a while, but if you get it in right, the thing is just not going to move. You'll never have to worry about, worry about it going out of whack again. Yeah, you know, Adrian, a fiberglass door really is a beautiful choice because the graining pattern is set in and it's beautiful. The color is set into it and it's not going to ever fade away because it's not organic. And they will just last and last. And truly the only maintenance you need for a fiberglass door is to just wash it once in a while. If it gets dusty or colored with, you know, pollen, it, it's not a bad thing to do. A fiberglass door really is a good part to put on your home. You did a good project there. Well, if you've enjoyed a summer of grilling sizzling steaks and juicy burgers, three simple steps can help make sure your grill is ready for a repeat performance when summer arrives once again. Leslie's got the step-by-step in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie, what's first? Yeah, first of all, you've got to start by closing the lid and then heat that grill for 15 to 20 minutes. You want to put it on a pretty high setting. Now, once it cools, you can give the grates a good scrub using a nylon brush for porcelain or a metal brush for stainless steel grill surfaces. Next, go ahead and remove the lava rocks and the burners and give them both a good brushing. You want to check those burners carefully for cracks, split seams, or holes. And if any are found, that burner should be replaced. Then go ahead, reassemble the grill, and test the propane connections for leaks by spraying soapy water on all of those connections. The reason why you put soap in the water, because if the bubbles start to appear, that means the gas is leaking and sort of blowing air into that bubbly water. 
that means you've got to fix it. Finally, you want to disconnect the propane tank and either cover the grill or bring it inside. If you want some more tips on cleaning your grill and getting it ready for the next grilling season, head on over to MoneyPit.com. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Coming up next time on the program, Falls a season where we celebrate beautiful trees, but you wish you had one of those in your yard. You don't have to wait a full generation for it to grow. You can transplant a tree instead. We'll have tips on that and more on the next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.